Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.0B. We talk about the defense, which has a couple more questions than the offense, but, I mean, you got four defensive tackles, you got four defensive ends, you got 65 linebackers, and you got a partridge and a pear tree who's a linebacker's coach. Go podcast. Coco Golf has just defeated some random <laughs> lady to win the uh, Cincinnati Open, Western and Southern Western Open. and Southern Open. Uh, I hope you weren't hoping for some football talk because we're going to be spending two hours describing Coco Golf's. Uh, Brian, what's your serve rate? I'm hitting like sixty percent these days. I mean, that's pretty this, good. This is my fault, people. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I, I warned Brian, like, now that he's playing tennis all the time, that, like... Well, you said I don't... that you were afraid that it would be all tennis talk all the time. Why would I be afraid there of this? one <laughs> sentence about it in the three hours we have been here. But Alex played in high school. You guys could be a and great now doubles team. now you're making the readers hear no, about tennis. Because I would be on that doubles team. So. Start a tennis podcast with Craig Ross, and then people no. will listen to that. We don't. We already have three We did a podcasts. French Open draft. We did. Uh, back in May, and I beat Speaking Craig of the French Open Draft, let's talk about our sponsors. (laughs) Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor, or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. Our associate sponsors are Peak Wealth Management, Homeshire Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group venue by 4M, where we currently are, and the Nosebleeds, which is the Scarboys reboot of cheap seats on UFC Fight Baths. All right, the Michigan defense. We will start with the defensive line, and we will start with the defensive tackles, because sexy. Yeah! So Chris Jenkins returns, uh, probably was going to be a second-round pick in this draft. Uh, get some projections that he will go in the first round. I will take this opportunity to note that he was the sleeper of the year on our site. Mm. Um, you've been, you have a higher hit rate than I do at this point. Well, yeah, you know, is what it is. Uh, and a great run stopper. Uh, I think he led the country in run stops, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. A guy who was a little bit overshadowed by Mozzie Smith, first round pick last year, but in your grading, mm-hmm. he, he graded out like some of the better non Mo Hurst defensive tackles in MGO blog UFR history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hurst had the ridiculous get-off and was creating a lot of pass rush. Jenkins was by far their best pass rusher on the interior. And then he was just an amazing run stopper for his size. And, like, I was... I, I, they tried to use him at defensive end a couple of times. It didn't really work. He has to be a DT. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also still playing around 280, I think. And so there, like the only moments that were bad were like, you know, he gets gets doubled and gets pushed down a bit. He's very slippery. He's very good at getting off, and he's just um, he just knows where the play is going. And so sometimes he just, he just picked up plus three sometimes by knowing exactly what they're going to try to do to him, and like 
moving his knee out of the way and letting the, guy, <laughs> the center fall to the ground and then like going and making the play. Penn State, he just had them down. Like there are some games where he he steps up for the moment. And, you know, we talked about a couple other players already in the offensive side and other teams that they don't perform as well against top competition. And his is he got better the better the competition was. And he's posted a screenshot, not a screenshot. He took a, he took a picture of his scale this offseason. <laughs> right. That showed him. Knowing that we would all be super excited to see this. Showed him cracking 300. And Jenkins was a three-star, largely because he was a 240-pound defensive end. Yeah. Who Michigan knew they were going to have to bulk up into a defensive tackle. Freakishly strong even in high school. Continues to be freakishly strong. There's a video from the Big Ten uh, media days this year where they w- got a grip strength test and went around and had everybody try it, and Jenkins blew them all out of the water. His grip strength was like 228. Like like the Michigan guys or like everyone in the room? Everyone in the room. Everybody that got sent. And like like there were a couple other OLs who like almost got to 200, mm-hmm. and he, he crushed them. It was the lock of the offseason that he was going to be on the freaks list. Both because Michigan is really good at getting their guys on the freak, like yeah. Bruce Feldman and Jim Harbaugh are boys, and he just sends them whatever. And, and once again, there was a video, right? But um, they call him the mutant, and this has been going on a while. And he's just the, – the numbers he puts up there really translate on the football field because he's still pretty low, right? And, like – you mean his pad level? His pad level, yeah. yeah. Like he plays very low, and he's just there's no no one can get a grip on him, so he doesn't stay blocked. And if you try to double him, like one guy slides off and goes away. It's it slippery. Maybe that's the word for him. I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised that you said that his interior pass rush was, I guess, best on the team isn't exactly saying impactful, but it just yeah. it, it didn't feel. <laughs> Anywhere close to like a Mo Hurst or even a Mike Martin, right? I I was trying to make that point that like for last year's team he was by far the best, but you know it was B level, at it was it was okay. Yeah. But also Michigan was not really using the interior pass rush as like the main way to get to the guys. Well, yeah, but if you, that's because they didn't really have the guys to do it. Like Mozzie yeah. Smith is not gonna right. Mozzie Smith is camping out at the in the middle. And yeah. So like. That's kind of one of the questions for the defense is, like, between Jenkins and Mason Graham, can they get something approximating uh, 0.4% Hurst or something? <laughs> I mean, you're probably going to get something more like, oh, well, Hurst was around 2016. But I was thinking, like, where they had, you know, Mason Graham. Not Mason Graham. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Glasgow. Yeah, when they had Ryan Glasgow just kind of ripping through guys. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, especially because we really didn't see a whole lot of that this year, last year, and that seems to be one possibility for Jenkins improving in his his final year is like actually getting to the quarterback more often than he has so far. Yeah, one thing that Michigan has not had, or did not have last year, was somebody on the defensive line who could just, you cannot single block him and I have think, your quarterback stay safe. I think Mike Morris qualifies. He, he got there Yeah, at times. Yeah, he, like, again, going back to pro football focus numbers, he had a 17% win rate, which right. is pretty dang good. We also did not have Mike Morris for Illinois, 
Ohio State, State and TCU. TCU, and Purdue, Purdue which is like a third that was, of the that's that's four that's four out of the five important games on the schedule. That's true. Yeah, um, and but and the other thing, Jenkins uh, rotated out a lot. So like yeah, they but, were they only played was, like fifty percent of the season. That's just kind of the way they do it generally, right? Like if they have guys that they can play, yeah, you, you just rotate a lot of DCs. yeah. But Smith was in there a lot more than he was, and Smith is not between the two of them. You'd think that Smith would be the you know more tired, the two down guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jenkins was the guy, and that probably hurt his pass rushing too. That he wasn't in there for a lot of third downs. So the guy starting next to him would be Mason Graham, who we previously mentioned, basically the Colston Loveland of the defense, uh-huh. where he didn't play a ton as a true freshman, but what he showed and everything inside the program points to this guy being a superstar sooner rather than later. Best freshman DT since ever. <laughs> Martin? Martin Branch? Was a, Martin, was, Martin was playable as a, D, as a freshman DT. Alan Branch was playable as a freshman DT. I mean, those those, those guys are... The conversation. I yeah. think Mike Martin actually probably was better than him, um, just in terms of he played more. Yeah. But, I mean, there were a couple plays in the Illinois game where he yeah. just wrecked a pretty good offensive line, yeah. popped through, and had third down stuff. So as a true freshman, I mean... Same against Iowa, too. I think he had just a, a blow-by where he just killed well, a guy. Well, remember this time last year, it was coming out. I think Harbaugh teased the depth chart, and he was uh-huh. like, Mason Graham is our number three DT. And we were all like, uh-oh. Well, he, like, no, no, we, I don't think we were. <laughs> true, true he freshman. actually called him a starter. He yeah. did call him they a have, starter. That's what he said. He had three, three starters. starters on, yeah. yeah, on yeah. The, on, as a defensive tackle. But it was that range where it was sort of like, well, this obviously portends well for him. But at the same time, true freshman DTs don't normally do this. And to see him at that, you know, ahead of some other guys, it doesn't feel great about our depth. And in the end, there was no basis to any of that. It was just like this guy He's is an alien. Yeah. yeah. But freshman DTs always suck. Like, that's, that, that's impossible to be that good as a freshman defensive tackle because there's so many tiny little things that happen. Mozzie Smith couldn't play as a freshman. Well, Mozzie Smith was not. He had weight issues. Yeah, yeah that was but, a very different situation. Uh, and Chris Hinton was, was still growing, too. But, like, those guys end up being pretty decent defensive tackles. But that's pretty tackles. standard for defensive tackles. They did not have weight. anyone in those defensive lines, Do though. you know what Mike Martin and Mason Graham have in common? Huh. High school wrestlers. High school yeah. wrestlers. <laughs> we love that. So, I mean, and he was a Boise State commit. <clears throat> he flips to Michigan. He spends his senior year whipping ass yeah. in on probably the hardest schedule you can possibly have as a high school player. Yeah, it's, it's like all playing, the best teams in Southern California. Yeah, so playing Bosco and all these, mm-hmm. like, USC feeder schools. And he absolutely crushed it. He moves up, but he's a classic example of a guy who just does not move up enough in his senior year. Yeah. Despite clearly deserving it. Should have been a five-star. Yeah, and I mean, this was a, a Courtney Morgan Morgan find. Like he was the the guy who got Michigan in there because if I think Michigan comes in a few months later in that recruitment, USC's there yeah. and like everyone else is. But by that point, Michigan was had already kind of laid the groundwork. He'd already visited, and it's like, well, this is the school I'm comfortable with. This is where I'm going. And wow, what a find! What, what's the needs improvement on? On Mason Graham. Uh, we don't know we've really seen him on the field enough, but probably holding up against doubles, that kind of stuff. He's already shown at least a Ryan Glasgow ability to to grip and rip people. Like, he's able to latch on to people and then use pull them forward, use their momentum and get them and pop up in the hole. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I remember Mike Martin and, and Glasgow 
both showing that ability early in their careers. And I'm like, these guys are going to be two-way DTs. They're going to be pass rushers as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be – like he's probably not going to be as good of a run defender as Mozzie Smith was. But in terms of pass rush, he'll be a quantum leap from, from Smith. Yeah. The, so uh, the so big he's going thing... to play nose tackle then? Well – not technically. He'll be he'll be the second tackle. They're, they're, yeah, they don't have a nose tackle in their base set when they go to their. I call it a five-two. Yeah, the five-two. Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, then yeah. The nose tackle will be Grant. Yeah, which uh, I mean, so what, what does Graham have to? First of all, Graham like his measurements are not awesome, so like the NFL might not like him as much. That which, was a part of his recruiting situation. Was, I mean, the guy. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> well, especially for like, like the Michigan point of view, right? It's yeah, like, oh, well, right. But that's you know that partially explains why he didn't rise. Enough. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's it's all that he was a three star committed to Boise State. Yeah, and those guys don't hit the top one hundred even if they deserve. Yeah, it. the the one thing that he needed to work on last year that was very like freshman DT is uh, just staying in his lane, like. The quarterback starts scrambling around the pocket, and he's like, "Ooh, quarterback eats!" And yeah. with like, you know, there are a couple of scrambles down the middle that, which know, is very yeah. much a like fixable problem. It's just yeah. just discipline, but yeah. like just yeah. in terms of like physicality, technique, he was already there, mm-hmm. um, and he'll he'll improve probably a great deal this year. And I mean, my expectation is that he will be all Big Ten. I, I the other thing I noted about him is that out of the between him, Jenkins, and Smith, he was the most conditioned. Like, he was the guy you could leave in if you needed to. Actually, I take that back. I forgot about Jerzon Newton. So he'll be yeah. – he won't be a first-team All-Big Ten, but he'll be uh, he'll be on the list somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to – how do you take a sophomore leap from a, a, fresh, a great freshman DT? There are just snaps. Yeah. You, you do it more, right? It's the yeah. usage rate in college basketball, right? Yeah. I mean, he just, he just needs to be on the field more, and he will be. And mm-hmm. I like – this is just, just like Loveland. I, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a star right now. Yeah, I, that's that's why I was mentioning the you know, the fact that he can stay on the field. Yeah, like I, mm-hmm. I think that he's he, and this is part of his recruiting profile as well that he played both ways and then he got to the end of a game. He's like, I like I'll play another football game right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wants to run it back? <laughs> he's a he's a Harbaugh dude. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Michigan fans are going to love him. I think he's going to be on the cover of Halo of the Victors once when it's in your year if he's around for that. Here's yeah, open. the other reason he didn't rise up in the uh, rankings is he, he looks like he's about 12 years old facially. Yeah. <laughs> he, it's like, I can't believe this guy is going to murder the Big Ten this year. It's going to be so annoying. Like, he's going to sack the quarterback, and he's going to be like, hey, do you got any lollipops? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's also good news at the backup positions where Michigan has two guys who I think are Big Ten starter quality. Kenneth Grant, the God's gift to football Enormous, enormous man, blessed with athleticism. He probably should not have the starting nose tackle, according to Jim Harbaugh. And a guy who even last year, like some of those run stops against uh, Illinois on third and short, the defensive tackles out there were Jenkins, Grant, and Mason Graham. Mm -hmm. So I think he's probably a year away from really being – really harnessing his ability. Like he's not as advanced as, as Mason Graham. He's a guy who's did kind of like fall into the freshman defensive tackle suck. Even in that context, he was pretty good, but it was, it was clear that he was like a step behind. Yeah. I, 
Which is fine. He yeah. Had, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the guy who might be the best freshman defensive tackle we've ever seen. Yeah. The other guy being a step I mean, there, That's okay. And that bodes well for 24 when you're looking at Graham and then Grant. Yeah. There was a direct comp for him uh, in Jonathan Hankins, the Ohio State defensive tackle, who was just a monstrous human with ridiculously long arms. And you saw that in the film. I love I the, the recruiting, like, view of him was like spot on that's exactly what we saw last year he just has this enormous strength and these arms like as soon as an offensive lineman tries to come near him he just pushes them away <laughs> and then he's got all this space to operate so you know defensive there's a lot to learn about defensive tackle and th- those were the mistakes he made but even by the end of the season he was very he was play- playable against like ohio state he's playable against yeah. tcu so I mean, that's a guy that they were already trusting to put in there. So I think that's a sophomore leap. That Mason Graham, it's like more snaps. Grant, it's like now this guy's probably learned how to play. Now I think he's going to be a major contributor. And then next year we're talking like all Big Ten. Yeah, and then the fourth guy who I think you can count on is Rayshon Betty. Yep. Yeah. And Rayshon Betty was great in the spring game. He was he flashed a lot last year. Mm-hmm. There's He just wasn't big enough like he'd get there and yeah. then the guy would like drag him and usually that doesn't happen to a dt right and he's a guy who's a four-star a mm-hmm. guy who was actually a recruiting win over michigan state yeah um a famous uh, recruiting win over and it was, michigan yeah. state. wasn't there like a, a there battle like a, there was like a back and forth i think he decommitted at one point he decommitted yes. from michigan and then was was going to be committing to michigan state and everyone was expecting like he had the commit date set up and yeah. was a silent to michigan state after right after michigan lost to state that year and then things got fixed. Right. But And he's a guy, if you were telling me he was going to be in the starting lineup this year, I'd be like, yeah, that's that's probably good. He, and yeah. he, he was a guy that was sort of a OLDL kind of. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. He's got, so the reason why someone looked at him as OL is because he's got these great feet. Yeah. And I, I've been saying this a number of times whenever I bring him up. He's exactly the defensive tackle you don't want to see if you run zone all the time, if you run stretch zone all the time, because he he's going to be able to just dance along and stay in that pocket and control you with his, uh, with his leverage. So he's, I think he's right on target. He's exactly where you would want him to be at this point. He's a guy that people in Metro Detroit have been talking about for years. It was him and El Hadi for years. Like mm. Those are the guys who are coming up through Detroit that people know, need to know about. And, you know, there was a – blank on the name right now, but there's a guy Mich- Michigan State had in their, like, unending string of D'Antonio defensive tackles who was just so annoying because you could not get around him. You can't get to the next level on this guy. And Benny has already shown that he's, like, awesome at that. So I think he's like the Jenkins, right? Yeah. And then Grant is, like, the nose in their 5-2 sets or – uh, you know, comes in for Graham when he needs it. Yeah, and then past those four guys, there's Cam Good, the UCF transfer, who was pretty indifferent last year. Weren't there some, like, whispers about things he did in the spring or fall camp this year? Like, he's in better shape or, like, was yeah, doing something? Yeah, he could definitely benefit from a little better conditioning, it feels like. But Yeah, I mean, to me, he's just a guy who might eat some snaps here and there. Yeah. He's in his sixth year. You usually don't make a huge jump between <laughs> No, <your> no. <laughs> and yeah. when you're fifth DT on a – on a team that's pretty loaded, like, yeah, and you're, you're going to be limited. The, the the practice chatter that he's gotten feels like the same kind that we've talked about before, where like the guy is 
on the team. He's working hard. He's on the depth chart. So you mentioned, so you bring him up, and he's a good teammate. Yeah, he's yeah. working for the program. And he probably didn't have to come back. That was the interesting thing, right? Like he came from was it UCF? Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't draftable at the end of last year. So right, this but is his one chat. If he wants to get drafted, this he's got to do something this year. I mean. Well, he probably should have transferred. If he was That's what I – yeah. I mean, he just – he wanted to – it sounds like he just kind of wanted to be on the team and, he, and, yeah. Yeah, and I think be a part of a run. To have that's a, a six-year guy who's seen his fair share of snaps as your fifth defense tackle is a nice yeah. little luxury. Yeah, I'll take one of those every year. Yeah. He, he got to Michigan a couple of years too late. I mean, you remember when Ben Mason was starting at defensive tackle? <laughs> I know. Just, just fate. fate. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Like only a few years ago, he could have had a real role. <laughs> Let's not <laughs> How far we've come. Yes. And then we have some freshmen Eno Etta. Like I don't think any of these guys he an edge? He's an edge. He's an edge, sorry. Uh, he's he's a Mike Morris. So right. like yeah, he's I think Trey Pierce he, is the one out of the freshmen. I could you see could him see him getting a snap here and there. I would see like I mean, he'll get his four games for sure. Right. But he was the guy in his recruiting program. he was the guy that we stole from Wisconsin. Mm. And Wisconsin seems to pull these guys up sometimes, they you know. Do. And he has that profile where he's like, you know, already three hundred or close to it. Already has like pretty good strength. Already is pretty well developed. Played for a decent program. Like, he's the kind of guy that you could. I know freshman defensive tackles suck, but if you need to get some snaps out of a French a freshman defensive tackle, he's that kind of guy. And you know, probably in two years from now, we're really talking about him. Hey, I got a few games for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, at edge, it's. Sort of a similar situation in which you have four distinct names. The differences are certainty about whether they will be good or not. Uh, well, they'll all be good. They'll be fine. I, I, I feel like the guys that they have are the ones who chased away the guys that they lost this, this offseason. So you have a floor last year of, like, Upshaw, who gives you no pass rush. But does everything. More pass rush than JTT. <laughs> We're going to stick on that stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not tempt fate. Um, but, like, yeah, you didn't really get much out of him from, from that standpoint. But he did everything right. And he was a valuable player. That guy leaves because he's not going to play this year. So I, I take that as a good sign. Uh, Yabioki is the other one who, like, last year was all. He was a mess. But he could pass rush. and A he, bit. I mean,. Compared to everyone else on the team last sure. year, a bit we take a bit. So let's talk yeah. about the people who are still on the team. Yep. Jalen Harrell is the guy with the most experience. Go, Seth. Well, like, <laughs> he's Mario Jamudia. Uh huh. Right? Like he's he's a really good run defender. He's really responsible. You try to edge read him, and it's just not going to go well for you. But in terms of getting to the quarterback, he just hasn't so far in his career. Yeah, hey, you can see. They, like they're, sometimes he just doesn't put it together, right? Like sometimes he's, he wins the first step and then loses it afterwards. Like he, there is some potential there. The one thing I think that they love about him, and they obviously love him, he got more snaps than anyone, anyone else on the defensive edge last well, he's year. He's so reliable. It, he's reliable. He doesn't, but he's. I mean, he's small. He gets bonked out of the way. So yeah. like a tight end comes across the formation and hits him. Nobody else on this team. Mike Morris was not moving if that guy came. It's worthless play to call. Yeah. You call that against Jalen Harrell, you're going to crack him, you're going to get some space. What he could do was play some linebacker. And that gave... Michigan last year actually had more sacks than they had the year prior. Yes. With Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. Now, Hutchinson and Ojabo both had over 10 sacks. And yeah, you only needed to rush four on every snap. And right. Sometimes not that much. Right. Yeah. And last year they made it out of the whole thing, right? They, they did it by committee. Right. 
the and nobody had. I think the most was like uh, Mike Morris, and then after that, Yabioki had four point five sacks, and yeah. it was dropped off significantly from there. So Harrell was not the guy generating pressure, but he was the guy you could drop into a linebacker spot so somebody else could generate pressure. And because he can do that, he can play linebacker well enough that like you can trust him to drop into a zone under Ohio State and not lose his guy. That gave Minter opportunities to kind of play around a lot more and do more of his games. And I think that's one of the reasons the coaches like him so much is that he gives them that opportunity to be coaches. Well, and and this staff just loves dependable guys, right? Like people, yeah, smart ones. Most, who, most who, coaches. As, a, right. as opposed <laughs> to, the, to the football coach who but doesn't like dependable guys. No, no, no. Guys. But, I mean, but Harbaugh is going to – he's going to go off uh, – I mean, I know the, the Kenneth Grant thing, but he's going to go off about a guy who is who's really smart or who's going to make the right decision, who understands it, just as much as he's going to go off on some athletic freak. Right, but it's, from a fan standpoint, you would like the guy who's not going to get bonked out of the way, well, or the guy who's going to beat a left tackle one on one. I agree. Yeah, we're getting some weirdly like optimistic draft projections for him. For Harold? Yes, he's an athlete. He, I mean, he tests well in athletic things, right? Well, I mean, I, but they're not basing off that. They're basing off what they're seeing on film, and like, it's possible that we're underrating him, but he just. Hasn't seemed to get to the quarterback. I, don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you that's can be a great defensive you, end without I, doing that. My belief with def- with that is you have the bend or you don't. Like yeah. you, you know, Uche gets on the field and you're like, oh, right, yeah. So speaking of that, Josiah Stewart is hopefully that guy. He's two forty five. He's six foot one. He's not really defensive end sized, but he had eleven and a half sacks as a freshman. Big drop off statistically in his sophomore year. But in terms of pressure rate, as Pro Football Focus tracks, that didn't drop off hardly at all. And he was a 90-plus guy in their ratings both years. Now, Coastal Carolina plays in the American. Mm-hmm. So not exactly – or did they, they're in the Sun Belt. They're Sun Belt. Sun Belt. They're in the yeah. Sun Belt. So not exactly Big Ten level of competition. But to hit the ground running like he did as a freshman, to mostly maintain that pressure rate as a sophomore, I think you can be optimistic that – if he's in that Oki role this year, you know Michigan has upgraded. So their pressure, the con, there has there's some major context for the pressure uh, numbers in sophomore year, because they went to that weird Rutgers thing with a defensive end, like actually like backs out and then comes up down the middle. So he was like going against guards, not tackles, mostly his sophomore year. He also lost a lot of weight in order to do that, so he was actually larger as a true freshman than he was as a cause he was basically a, a quasi linebacker. Mm-hmm. Michigan is making him Mike Dana, and I think that's the kind of player he's. He actually is like the, one of those like shorter defensive ends who can forklift a guy, and stronger than you really think. Like I was talking about, Harold getting bonked out of the way. Competition caveat, right? right. Uh, but the word on Stewart is that he just gets low, and if you try to go, you know, try to bonk him out of the way, he's just going to get lower than you, and you're just going to create a pile. Um, he certainly has higher upside as a pass rusher but i think his nickname's taz and like i I, that tells you the style of his pass rush he's not bending around guys or out athleting guys he is like chase winoviching through guys okay but it works all right so the other two options are Braden mcgregor who's physically shaped like aiden hutchinson but had a horrible knee injury as Uh a senior and Kind of feels like he's never fully recovered from it. Yeah, 
up, up to last year, I developed my own little pet theory on him that his upper body is like a redshirt senior and his lower body is a redshirt freshman. Because mm. there's... He did, he did not have a lot of strength. He was another guy who got moved just because his legs were not very thick. And you look at him. Like, upper body, he's great. He's, he's got upside-down triangle. Yeah, he's got great moves. He's, he had that good move where he would bring the hands down and just yeah. swipe them away. He's, and he's he's got broad shoulders and just has that, that strength up there and that length that, you know, Iowa's been using a defensive end for ages to be, to be a pain in the butt. And that was, you know, that was a very Hutchinson kind of thing, too. And McGregor has that in the upper body. If his lower bodies come around, now talk about guys who are getting hype, right? He was the reason I think Oki left because he wasn't going to be playing over him. He started getting more snaps than some of the other defensive ends down the stretch. Uh, when uh, they lost Mike Morris, they turned to McGregor. So it po- it's possibly turned a corner too late last year for us to like really have it come out in the charting. But it was a... And he tipped yeah. a couple passes against Ohio State. He hit like, that he one near yeah. pick six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the fourth guy who's being talked about as a potential starter is probably the guy we might have led this section with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Derek Moore, is true sophomore, close to a top 50 recruit, uh, and who really flashed particularly in the spring game this year mm-hmm. where he is dumping offensive linemen into the lap of the quarterback by just bull rushing them him and Stewart were part of the Percy problem in the spring game right well and the thing is his rep as a recruit was he just had incredible get off at his size his get off was remarkable and if he's able to combine the possibility of that speed rush with a bull rush then we're getting into taco charlton territory oh yeah uh well, he's lost a lot of weight this offseason too he was playing at near 300 last year Really? Moore yeah. was? Moore was, yeah. He was in the as two, an outside edge? As, it was like 280-something, and then he said he gained weight. So Whoa. he was probably he was in the 290s. He was a big dude. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. he looked like he was carrying it really well. So. Yeah, I, that's, that was the thing. He lo- I was surprised that he went down because he looked like a, you know, he looked as thick as Rashawn Gary out there. Well, and definitely the conversation that's been had in camp is that you have not four edges but two separate individual ones. Harrell and Stewart on one side against each other, and then Moore and McGregor against each other on the other side. Which yeah, makes sense, because one is like an anchor, and one's more yeah. like a linebacker kind of situation. Yeah. yeah the, you know, they were pretending the edges were, you know, but it, now after after last year, the secret's out, right? Like, there's, <laughs> it's obvious. But I think that uh, if the weak side is more of like a pl- platoon, where you want, like, when you're in your base nickel set, um, I think you want to use uh, Stewart as like your you know your four down guy, and then you know if you're going to be doing a lot of three four stuff or whatever, or just that versatility that you get out of Harold is uh, it makes sense out there. The other side is just a straight up competition, and if McGregor, I I think it's a good sign for McGregor that he's staying ahead of Moore because Moore played as a true freshman. He got almost as much snaps as all the other guys out there. So he was, like, competing with Upshaw and with Harrell and all these guys, right? For, for And he was scoring just as well as all of them. There weren't a lot of freshman mistakes, and there were a lot of times when you're just like, this guy is just a better athlete than everybody outside of him. Yeah, back to your point about Derek Moore, uh, your most recent phone books post, which is one of my favorite running jokes on this <laughs> Uh, Moore came in at 279 and is now listed at 258. That is a huge drop. Wow, that's drop. like yeah. 20 pounds. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, I mean, he is in the edge now. And, 
I, maybe that's going to make him a lot quicker and add like a new dimension to his pass rush. Because last year he was a Mike Morris in training. And if there's if he's a Hutchinson in training, then ooh, two sixty is where you want to be. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I mean, he was he had the recruiting profile for it. He was like yeah. a near five star. And yeah. they and they flipped him from like Oklahoma, right? Well, Lincoln Riley left, and he oh. shook free. Yeah, shook, shook. That, that was that was a late pickup. He, had, he was a St. Francis guy, so he yep. had the connection already. And Michigan won the Big Ten, and went to the playoff, and it was like okay, maybe Michigan. Yeah, and. The stuff that was said about him as a recruit is the, absolutely the kind of stuff you want to hear. Like yeah. the superlatives about his get off and his ability to get to the quarterback are the kind of things that I think translate. Like when you hear those things about a player, they're usually underrated. Yeah. And he's he wasn't probably because he was close to top 50, but there were, the reasons he was there I think were really good. So, <clears throat> you know, if you're asking me today – who the top sack guy is on the roster, it's probably him. So are we rooting for Moore and Stewart then? I don't even think rooting for Stewart makes any sense because it's going to be Jalen Harrell. Sure. He's so reliable that no – I mean, I think what I'm rooting for is that Jalen Harrell does not play passing downs. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that's because Stewart comes in and he's enough of an obvious upgrade. Because if you, if you have like – a power mushroom Derek Moore and Josiah Stewart hits, and then you've got Graham and Jenkins on the inside, that's a problem. Hello. And that's not something that last year's defense had, right? And what we saw in the Ohio State game two years ago when Ojabo and Hutchinson just ripped their offensive line to shreds, I mean, you just can't function in those situations, especially when the other team can drop seven. Mm -hmm. And... I don't think they're going to ha- – they're obviously not going to have edges like that, but I have I have hope that the combination of much better pass rush from the DTs gives you that overall feel where you don't really need to do a lot of blitzing. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, we're, we're dropping down from Mike Morris, but we didn't have Mike Morris for the last quarter of the season. Yeah. <laughs> so it, when you're looking at can Michigan replace the production from last year, what they got from that spot – you have to consider that, like, part of that was a lot of it was more and McGregor to begin with. I kind of think, like, last year they had a six man rotation at Edge. They're now they're a four man rotation. And I think that so it helps them to use all four of them. Do we, is there anyone else on the roster that we should talk about that? Well, uh, not really, but guy. they meant, yeah, they mentioned TJ <laughs> Guy. He was injured in the spring, but it sounds like he is the fifth edge on the depth chart right now. So um, we also heard that it's probably a year away for Keyshawn Bennett. Was that this year or last year? No, it was in like a week ago. They like how Keyshawn Bennett's progressing, but, you know, it's a year he, away. Yeah, he he he'll was a guy a, who flashed a little off the spring game. Uh, he's No, he's a Richard sophomore, I think. Yeah, I think. Okay, so this will be his third yeah, year. Yeah, he's like the last guy that Don Brown got us. <laughs> well, he's got a hit rate with those dudes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and TJ Guy is another guy that Don Brown picked yeah. up. So Craig always talks about TJ Guy. Well, he's... He's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's another one that, you know, you're kind of expecting him to replace Jalen Harrell next year, I think. Probably. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the linebackers. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. Hey, so I have like insurance and stuff, but I don't really like know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy, uh, he's a, uh, his name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, yeah, your coverage sucks. And you're paying a lot more than you need to for it. I also like, I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, and I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? They have a website. <laughs> they have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together. And you will save money on your insurance, and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto, and they do life, too. All right. So, you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein Insurance, this this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458, or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Yeah. 
You know what? Eggs and purgatory. Yes, it was eggs purgatory. It looked delicious. It had Kalamata olives in it. It was it was actually really good. Right. Yeah. I uh, I, I felt bad. I saw I look I was looking at the menu and I tried to do two other things that were not as right. Yeah. And, you're like, and then oh, I was like, no, are- if they they don't have those today, then I'm going to go with the eggs purgatory and just they were good. Yeah. So thank and you. I paid for thanks it. For so thanks for thanks for buying the most expensive thing on the brunch menu for me. But there were some awesome things on that menu, and then I watched Alex and David. Chowing down on their macaroni and cheese, and uh, what was the other chicken one? And chicken waffles. and waffles. Oh my god, those look good. Brunch. I got to make it back for this at venue. All right, moving on to the linebackers. Michigan has a lot more depth this year than they had last year when it was Michael Barrett being shoehorned into an inside linebacker spot. He was not recruited to play. Plus Colson, and then you had question marks and freshmen behind him. Uh, Michigan brings in Ernest Hausman from Nebraska. Jimmy Rolder is no longer a freshman. We're hearing some good talk about Jaden Hood and both starters return. Um, let's start with Junior Colson because he's the guy with the highest upside. Um, guy who's getting some NFL draft hype has had his ups and downs in Michigan. All-American hype too, right? Uh, ups and downs like on like back-to-back plays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he, he will, he's the guy who will track a slot receiver all across the field, knock him down for one yard, and like the offensive corner will be like, what? What do I have to do? Like, I got the matchup that I wanted. And he's also the guy who will run the complete opposite direction and let TCU score from 40 yards out at the worst possible time. Well, there was actually a really interesting post on the 24-7 message board where they, one of their posters was going over the highest uh, leverage plays from last season. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the 77-yard TCU touchdown. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and he points out that Michigan has dropped uh, Colson into the exact right spot to jam the crossing route. Right. And Colson just doesn't do it. And that was a problem a lot last year where he just covered – I called it covering grass. Right. And I mentioned it a whole bunch yep. of times in the UFRs. He yep. just – he spot drops. And, like, you know, he's a guy that took a long time – it was good to take a long time to develop. He was a, a Haitian immigrant who was playing soccer for the beginning right. of high he's school. Like, he's like Devin Bush if – Devin Bush's dad was a Haitian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As, a, as opposed to an All-American. As opposed to an All-American. <laughs> right. Football player. Right. I, I knew I where you were going with that. I didn't mean that. anything bad about <laughs> I, knew, I, I just <laughs> didn't. Where's Emgo Blocker? It was bad. <laughs> I, I didn't know if people thought that was like a historical. Like he is, it's, it's the Dessaline version of no, Devin no, Bush. No, I, I just meant that like Devin Bush's dad taught him football from the womb. So. Right. Right. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So. I, that was the frustrating thing about him is that like this guy is on the verge of stardom and you could put a highlight reel tape together of him and th- I think there was a plus two or plus three every game from him last year, which is 
the kind of thing you usually only get from like a Hutchinson, right? And then he would also grade out in the negative <laughs> at the end of that game. So there's just so many little mistakes where that. Do we think yeah. that Jonas Mouton? I mean, Jonas yeah, Mouton. Jonas Mouton. But it was an upward incline for Coulson, right? Because you go back to 2021 and Seth is about to strangle him with his bare hands. And then last year it creeps up to like basically even, right? Like he was at, I think it was one to two positive and negative and in he was 2021. A, yeah, true, true sophomore. Then last yeah. year he gets to basically one to one positive and negative. So he it's was, on the right trajectory. He just needs to take that absolutely. next step. He was finishing games like minus seven total with a lot of volume. In, uh, in in his freshman year. And with a lot of volume, he was finishing minus one. Yeah. Mm. Right. And usually, historically in UFR, if you have a, a linebacker who's finishing out about zero, that's a acceptable player. Right. But those guys normally are like plus 3.5, minus 3, plus 0.5 right. is your total. Yeah. This, his scores were like plus 17, minus 18. <laughs> <laughs> Where he's just involved in every play. He's just – yeah. Because he's always – Doing something, and that so, something is always very important to the play. So, if we're talking about the proverbial X factor on this year's team, it sounds like it's Junior Colson. Just in terms of like this guy yeah. could be really good, or he could not progress at all and be a, a problem. And he gets like all American talk, and like again, you can, you see, can it. see it. Yeah, you can. The, the potential is all there. He, you know, he probably could have used a red shirt and a year of being backup. Right. Yeah. And then like this is the year you would expect him to start playing. So there was a good cause. The other good cause to think that he might take a step forward is no offense to George Hilo, but he's probably not Chris Partridge. Sounds like it's a little bit of offense to George <laughs> No. There's a lot of guys you could say are probably not Chris Partridge as far as like Do we do we know that Chris Partridge is like that dude is a linebacker coach? I, we have some Inkling, I mean the he, I, Devin Bush no, was his guy. No, 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 no. no, no, so. no. Mike McRae was pretty good. Mike McRae was pretty good. Gideon, Gideon was pretty good. Yeah. So like, and they the guys on. before him were kind of frustrating. And then we always had this thing where like, a, if you're grading out plus one for a linebacker, you're okay. And then the only guys who were consistently grading out well above that and not making big mistakes were coincides with when Chris Partridge was here. Like, and he even got, David like... Harris. Yeah. Well, and David Harris, who was... that. That's the point, right? Right. <clears throat> right? But this guy had... Uh, what was his name? Gil... Uh, Devin Gill. Devin Gill. He had him playing well. Not really. <laughs> we were, he was grading out positively, and he's not... And he ended up, what, like a USF yeah, backup? I like, mean, I, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I... I, I nobody... I think the point is there that when he was on the field, people were hoping it was someone else. Yeah. Well, and he, Josh Ross was the someone else. Yeah, that was. And wow. Ross actually got worse after Partridge left. He had a. That is true. He, he, he had, had no a, case last year. Yeah, but like his trajectory it was, limited, was yeah. disappointing because yeah. we were expecting more. Yeah. So, yeah, that that is – Josh Ross is probably the most solid example. Hmm. Um, the other starter – Michael Barrett, one of my favorite guys on the team, mm -hmm. football guy, came as a quarterback, was never going to play quarterback, started off as a Viper, became a special team superhero. Right. <laughs> he has his plural fourth down conversions. I yeah. On, yeah. On he's, special he's throwing the ball to Dax Hill. and doing He had like a 40-yard return as an up back one time. Yeah. Yeah. He had the throw on the, the kickoff. The kickoff. The kickoff. Yeah. Maryland. <laughs> 
So uh, just just a guy who's been around the program for so long, and I was really happy to see him emerge into a starting linebacker last year. Kind of a guy who got shoehorned into a spot he was never supposed to be, but he made it work. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see him get more comfortable in the role as the season went along. And uh, given the defensive tackles he's going to have in front of him, the fact that he's more of a viper physically I think is not going to be – that big of a problem. Yeah, and you remember they had Glasgow, and he was, and he ended up being fine. He was another converted safety kind of player. Got drafted and got drafted, <laughs> right? And and he's so he's never going to be, but he's already two thirty. Like he is linebacker size now. I mean, but he's not going to twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he had a long conversion from Viper. If they didn't, they weren't desperate for him to play. He might not have gotten those snaps. But as he did, as he just got comfortable back there, he picked it up. And by the end of the season, I was grading him out well, and I was like, this is a good linebacker, full stop. Like, he is linebacker-sized. He hits guys like a linebacker. He was Michigan's probably their best pass rusher, I would say, last year. Uh, and he, he times his blitz as well. He has an idea of where he is in coverage. He created a lot of problems for Ohio State by, like, them not being able to figure out what he was doing any, any single down. So he's one of those guys that, because of he's got that Viper background, Minter can kind of use him in ways that are not necessarily at linebacker. But then at linebacker, he's just... Good. He knows where to go. He makes. He's good at tackling. He shifts through, and like he doesn't have to take on a lot of hits, right? Because they have pretty hefty guys up in front of him to keep him clean. Well, it was an incredible transformation. Because if you go back to this time last year, I mean, we were talking about like, well, he could probably fill in, but he's not an inside linebacker, and like we can't lose NHG. Yeah, and then yeah. we did, and we we're like, yeah, who cares? He's actually a linebacker. Well, I mean, I recall there was a sort of shift about midseason. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it was just clear that he had improved in the role. And like two years ago, I remember they had to play him at inside linebacker sometimes, or they would shift him there for whatever reason, and he just. He just stood there. Yeah. He had no idea what was going on. Yeah. He also wasn't big enough back then. Right. Yeah. yeah. And to to see his development over the course of his career to become a really important player on a couple of Big Ten championship teams. I mean, these days, it's, it's a little rarer than it used to be. Well, Harbaugh, like, asked him to come back this year in the Ohio State game press – post-Ohio State game press conference. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just a clip of him and Sane are still in there. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys are coming back next year, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is uh, an underratedly important player on this team because I think people are, you know, look justifiably. We'll get to Hausman, but people are overrating Colson a little bit, or at least based off what he was last year, right? And forgetting that Barrett is a very good player and can do a lot of things that they want to do in this defense. right? We get this part of the discussion with Harold earlier in the last segment. We were like, he allows Minter to call different plays because he has that versatility. He can go out and play, play a little safety if he needs to. He can definitely play the slot. He can pass rush, and he can play either linebacker spot. So that gives you that versatility in the most important versatility position in Minter's defense to, like, really confuse the looks that quarterbacks are getting. And the backup guys uh, look pretty solid, which is a big turnaround from last year. Uh, Hill Green transfers to Charlotte, but Michigan brings in Ernest Hausman, who started a number of games for Nebraska as a true freshman. And that defense was horrible, (laughs) particularly their lines. So it's really hard to get a read on 
like exactly how well he was playing, but I think it's telling that Michigan identified him immediately and was like, this is the guy we want. He also played his best here. Yeah, when we rewatched that game, it was like, oh, that, that's another Hausman tackle. That's another yeah, Hausman tackle. all yeah, over the place in that game. And he was a guy that Michigan had targeted as a recruit, too, and like he just came too late, and it was the COVID year and whatnot. But, well, he was an instater yeah. in Nebraska. He's from Columbus, Nebraska. So like that was like a reasonable pickup for them. But, right. you know, what then shows some things. And when he went into the portal, it wasn't just Michigan. The the portal rankings were very high on him. He was too. the number one player in the portal at, at that the time. time. Yeah, yeah, and some other guys moved in and knocked him off that. But well, yeah, yeah, like, it was the young, it was when a young Travis portal. Hunter hits the portal. Okay, <laughs> right, like he gets to be number one. Good job, Travis Hunter. Right, but it was a it was a major pickup, and it's like still on top of the boards for like you know Big Ten portal pickups yeah. this year. And he's a he's a big deal. He's one of those true freshmen who had to play too early, and. Early in the season, Nebraska's defense aside, he was making a lot of mistakes. And then as the season progressed and as he got his snaps and he's got his, got his feet under him, he started to really play well. And you saw that like he has great instincts and he's got a great get-off. He just, as soon as he decides where he's going, bam, he's there. Um, and we saw that in the spring game, too. So you're used to that tackle pl- taking place, you know, two yards downfield or something like that. He sees it, and all of a sudden he's in the backfield. And it turns that into a no-gain or tackle for loss when that's not what linebackers are normally. They don't slither in there that fast. Another guy who's not very big, he's gained some weight in the offseason, but he's a guy who, you know, he was a true freshman last year, right? He was, yeah. And he came in at 220 originally, so he's still growing, but... You know, if you want to put Barrett at Viper a little bit and do some uh, three three five stuff, and have you know a third linebacker out there because we didn't really have three linebackers last year, they couldn't do a four three. Well, yeah, but I are they going to do that this year? It feels like when they want to go heavy, they're going to bring in a, a tackle. Yeah, yeah. So they only had a five two last year. Given these tackles, like yeah. yeah, but the but last but so they only had a five two last year. The year before that, they had a four three with Barrett as the Sam. Right. And I think that's a really. I mean, it's yeah, basically they the that, nickel. they pulled that out against Iowa, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, but, uh, but last year they didn't have any running quarterbacks you really on the schedule. You pull anything out against that. <laughs> <laughs> They're about the only team that's going to force you to do that anymore. Right. Uh, the, but they didn't have a 4-3, and they – I we don't still don't have that many running quarterbacks. Nebraska's going to have one. Uh, but, like, that's that's something you can pull out. I think a 4-3 I call it a 4-3. A lot of people call it a 4-2-5. But it's like sure. what you want to do against a, sp- a running spread, which are kind of going out of style now. Okay. Uh, speaking of freshmen who were kind of pressed onto the field early, Jimmy Rolder you know, got significant playing time as a freshman. Actually looked pretty good during yeah, most of it, especially in the back half of the year. I mean, he was out there against Ohio State and did some things. He- and. Probably played more than an ideal amount, I would guess. Sure, but just in terms of projecting his future, that freshman year is highly encouraging. Yep. He has some speed. Another guy who was a late riser and probably didn't rise high enough. He, like, got into the four-star range, but, like... And Wisconsin wanted him at linebacker. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, I and, you know, the comp was Ben Getty, and it kind of looks just like... like, like, Yeah, it does. Yeah, like a... Tall guy who's got more speed than you expect. 
And then uh, people are talking about Jaden Hood uh, kind of as a guy who's rising up right now. Probably not enough to crack the two deep unless we're actually including three linebacker positions, which Harbaugh obviously is because he wants to have 74 starters. <laughs> um, but he was kind of an under-the-radar recruit who nobody really expected a ton from early in his career. And, his and we didn't hear anything about, really. No, especially with last year's mm-hmm. Darth of linebackers. You kind of it seemed grim for his future that he was not right. getting talked. Yeah, about. made that play at the end of the Hawaii. The Hawaii game. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, goal line stop. Yeah. yeah, I. I mean, he was a he was like the last of the Don Brown death squirrels, and you know, once we switched to a very different system linebacker wise, where like you want the guy to be six foot three and be able to play every single position on the defense because they're going to switch him up all over the place. It was not. It felt like a bad fit. The other thing about him is that he transferred schools uh, and then was like terrible. I think he went to was Aquinas, uh-huh. and like he, and then was barely playing. Right. So like he, he, that his star fell a ton because like when you're not even starting for your high school team, you're right. Uh, <laughs> your recruiting rankings uh, go down. Um, but I mean, I, there's probably not anything happening this year but I, it did seem like more than just a, a cursory mention. It's a good sign he has a pulse at least. Anybody else we're talking about? Um, I mean Marcus Pollard was the guy they were excited about last year. We haven't really heard anything about him this year. Right. Alright moving on to cornerback. Michigan returns Will Johnson who may very well be the best corner in the country graded out ridiculously well on pro football focus and on our site. Really came on late in the season. Two interceptions in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, did not get toasted by Marvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is saying something. I mean, you saw when he, he comes out for one play, they he gets matched on Jamon Green, and they immediately go there, right. and everyone saw. This might be sacrilegious, but he followed the Woodson track, right? Well, he's wearing the – I was going to say, he's, he's wearing, wearing the, the right number, number and that he, was what – that's sort of his destiny. He emerged into a starter halfway through his freshman year, sort mm-hmm. of, like – he was obviously a starter caliber. He was rotating with those guys, even if he wasn't on the depth chart as a starter. And everybody is expecting him to be the best corner in the league and possibly the country this year. Yeah. I, I mean, do you remember Woodson 96? Like, that's like it's the, the Woodson sophomore year was not the Heisman campaign, but he was just awesome. Right. It was clear. Yeah. And. The cornerback, it's very easy because it's so athleticism-based, right? Like, does he have the height, the speed, and the agility to do this? Right. Like, he's a lock as a top 10 NFL draft pick. Right. Right. And, you know, the the off-season, the off-the-field stuff um, fits as well. Like, they're like, oh, he watches as much film as anybody but Samer still. And, like, they're... (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that is sort of a knock is, like, is anyone even going to throw at him? Uh, well, that's good because then you know, just I know, but I'm talking about like for you're talking about awards and all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, well, hey, I mean, you, I mean, the real problem is we don't have the targets on offense for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. By next year, we don't might not have any receivers. We might have to. That's true. Yeah, and, and we could use a punt return. Yeah, I was gonna say they got to convert him to punt return. Well, I'm sure he'd probably be all right at worst. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean his his dad was literally in the same secondary as Charles Woodson. So like they I mean that was that was a real solid he did Michigan was like this yeah. guy looks pretty good. I'm going to make one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing about him like is like he was as loyal to Michigan 
during that 2020 Wisconsin game when everything was just at its lowest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was when, like, the will Harbaugh even be here stuff starts coming and Will Johnson's, like, when his dad comes out and says, you don't commit to a coach, you commit to a program or something like that. And he just stuck it through and now you're looking around. I mean, two points about that. One, Ohio State did, you know, come close to trying to to get him. Like, when things were starting to look bad. Yeah. uh, He was close to to flipping to Ohio State. And the other thing is, I think we're still paying for that because the NCAA came and and, uh, checked us for this, that visit that he put together. Nah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Mike Sainersill, Mike Sainersill. Who's on the cover (laughs) of our magazine this year? It's Mike Sainersill. Holding it up right now. My, My first note is the best defensive play of the year maybe the best defensive play michigan has made in columbus in a minute since they stopped jt barrett the michigan's best defensive Ouch. play since <laughs> positive we're all being positive they, I, uh, that was a, that was positive they did, they did i was gonna job. go somewhere else with that but right, before you on. threw that one down so saner still switches from from wide receiver last year and everybody's concerned about this so why though? I why? I don't know. I was not. He he was going to go to Virginia Tech to be a corner, I which know. should tell you everything. But a position switch starter is always an alarm fire. Mm. Not alarm fire. Hmm. I mean, fire alarm. It's a fire alarm. <laughs> Thank you. I know English five alarm good. fire is what you're yeah. going for. Yeah. Anyway, so like this is actually part of the season preview. Is I'm like, who switched positions and where are they on the depth chart? Yeah. And whenever there's a guy who switched positions who's starting. That means that you had no one else to play that position and it's probably a real bad sign. Now, in this specific case, in last year's season preview, I said that Mike Zanersoul was going to be draftable after this year. Well, he was. And he didn't go to the draft, but he was draftable. Yeah. And he's rated in the 80s in pro football focus. He's he's one of the top defensive backs in the Big Ten. He's good, he's a great slot corner. I was going to say, who's the, who's the last best? Slot corner compared to him, and we've been doing this throughout the whole team. Is this player's the best since? And then something. Well, 30 Dax years Hill ago. played nickel, so. so was he? <laughs> yeah, but was he a nickel or was he also safety? So, Samer still, I graded both of them, and Dax graded out worse than Samer still. But they were doing things with Dax that they would not try with Samer. Like Samer still was not a great blitzer. He right. He, he was not going to hold the edge because da- but yeah, Dax also not like a, Dax moved to safety at times and played that. It wasn't just he was strictly he, a nickel. He was, was strictly a nickel. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, when well, I yeah, when they went to four three, he would. But that's like the Indiana game. It's, okay. they, they don't have to count. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they use Dax differently, and offenses attack differently because Dax was there, and you weren't going to make him the focus of your offense. When they tried to go at Samer, still, it just didn't work. And Rutgers got him for one. Uh, someone else got him for one. I can't, can't remember, but like oh, Ohio State got him. Yeah, yeah, no, Ohio but, State. Got lucky when Junior Colson didn't chip a crosser. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Covering grass. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I yeah, I was actually looking at that play recently. I'm like, yeah, if he just gets a chip here, he's he's gonna be in this guy's breadbasket, but he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's really great to have a reliable fifth year senior nickel corner who you just know you can plug and play and is gonna be excellent. And Oh, such a team guy too. Like he had that awesome team. Yeah. He, also, he also had that awesome touchdown catch against Michigan State in twenty one. Yeah, I know. Like we, we have, mean, we have good an, memories, right? And do you remember him breaking tackles against Notre Dame in twenty nineteen in the rain? <laughs> like at the end of the game, just like well, he caught the flea flicker against Ohio State too. 
We're, we're playing a remember remember some dudes <laughs> game with just one player right now. <laughs> just highlights. I mean, like you talk about Blake Corum coming back because he wants to have a legacy with his program. Uh-huh. Mike Zane still has a legacy with his program. Yep. He he does, and at multiple positions. Anyone who's a Michigan fan right now in. 30 years from now is going to be talking about him and like the youngs going to be like why are you talking about this 5 foot 9 well, three this, star yeah. this, this team has three of these guys it has Barrett it has Quorum and it has Sainer still mm-hmm. and I don't think it's a coincidence that when anyone goes to a Michigan practice they're like I, this team is a championship team because mm-hmm. they have this attitude that they they didn't get it from people before them on the roster they didn't right. it, they no. made it themselves yeah yeah and he was the guy in the fourth quarter of that Ohio State game that's going up and down the sideline yelling at everybody, being, look across the field. Before he they knocked know the ball out of Keith Stover's no, hand. Yeah. They know they're dead. Yeah. They look in their eyes. They're all scared. This game is over. We just need to finish it. Yeah. And that, that was Sainer still. So God bless Mike Sainer still. He, he also did the OHIO cheer for all of them in the middle of Ohio Stadium. Like, I love this guy. Didn't uh, Barrett, Barrett, Barrett planted the, the flag? flag. Barrett, Barrett planted the Barrett flag, the yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, these guys. <laughs> And then we come to uh, the trouble spot, such as it is on the defense, cornerback two, um, which has Josh Wallace, the UMass transfer, Jaden McBurrows, um, the Amor- other Pollard. Amorian Walker. Amorian Walker. Keyshawn Harris. Keyshawn Harris. Jair Hill. Jair Hill. German Green. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering how far down the depth chart we could go, but <laughs> there's a lot of names here, and and a lot of talent. Yeah, I mean, they were. I think J.R. Hill's another guy who the recruiting industry underrated, despite mm-hmm. him being just outside the top 100. The way Michigan pursued him, the way Ryan Walters pursued him. Yeah. If there's one guy I want to snipe a cornerback from right now, <laughs> it's Ryan Walters, which they did in this class. Yeah, relevant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that there's a strong possibility that Jair Hill goes through Will Johnson last year. Mm-hmm. Not to the level where he's graded out as a 90 on pro football focus, but, you know, by midseason, it's clear that he's the starting cornerback and he's a future It might star. take him longer because Will Johnson was playing cornerback against, like, Devin Funchess when he was in, when he was a kid, when he was a kid, he grew up around his dad's program. So like anyone who came to Detroit, yeah, he covered. I understand that. Like, and Jair Hill not, was a free safety in you know the middle of Illinois last year. Sure, I, it might take more more time, but like in terms of best case scenario for who started the Ohio State game, it's probably Hill. Mm, and yeah, yeah. Like, but Josh Wallace is a former captain at UMass. You know, Don Brown probably recommended him personally to Michigan. Mike McCray did too. Yeah. And Mike McCray talked him into coming. Yeah. And like I, I have a he's got a ton of experience. He provides a high floor. Like he might not be a guy who's gonna go in the top three rounds of the NFL draft, but he's also not gonna be a guy who gets lost. Or, you know, the the worst thing that could happen to you against most of Michigan's schedule is you face a team like 2020 Michigan State who just lobs the ball in the air because it nerfs all your pass rush and it's just like, okay, who's going to win this one-on-one contest? Because anyone can get a one-on-one contest between a receiver and a cornerback. And Wallace is probably not going to lose those battles while giving up something else, I mean, right? He's, like, he's not going to get ruthlessly dunked on. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what you need. So, I know I, I watched his... I, I watched his film. He was of the transfers, the one I was probably the least enthused about, just watching like his ability. Sure. His film was a weird one, though, because that previous year, 
you know, he was playing in the parking lot all the time, right? Oh yeah, you can't you can't look at last yeah before, before Don Brown before you can't Don look Brown. at and then Don Brown. Yeah. I mean, he's getting beat by some of the same stuff that you know. Thankfully, we don't do anymore. It was very Don Brown film. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was like oh my god yeah like the the slot fades are there the crossing routes are there the everything you know I love Don I I still love Don Brown but I had a little but he was brought in to defend J T Barrett I yeah, my, yeah. but he he's well. Wallace is probably the perfect placeholder, right? Because they have other guys that and I would like you like you like we talk yeah. about like Burroughs and and Walker has like the crazy uh, like raw potential and athleticism and stuff, but they just need games and time. And so having a guy there, like you said, high floor at least for the first what third half of the season, Jair Hill gets his feet wet. And then you start looking at those guys who are probably more longer-term solutions. He's sort of like the perfect transfer fit for that hole in the team. Yeah, and I would be almost betting the house on him being the starter for the first little while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to try the other guys just to... But like Walker's, who was the guy they talked about the most, is banged up right now. So that kind of leaves Wallace the Also, his performance in the spring game makes me think that he's a year away. And that that finished product is super enticing, but a year away. Yeah, I, I, I have my whole crazy theory of why they were pushing Murray Walker as the as the number two cornerback in spring. But well, it's not yeah. that crazy a theory. It's just like that's who you want it to be. Yeah, like if he can do it, he should do it. He's six foot four, and he is on the freaks list because he runs like a shuttle, like he's saner still. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a good cornerback. <laughs> yeah, if he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't yet. Right, so, and, and and it was very evident that he, do, he doesn't yet, and he also didn't get any weight this off season, which was kind of one of the things we were watching for him because well, he's a stick. Less less of an issue when he's a defensive back, but uh, yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and the thing is, is like this isn't anywhere close to like the Rodriguez issues where you had like James Rogers out there. Gosh. <laughs> right? Like or, this this is a concern <laughs> in the same way that the wide receiver is a concern for the yeah. offense. Where it's clearly like the weak spot, air quotes. Right. But uh <clears throat> you know the worst case scenario here is that eh, you just shade a safety over this guy and then Will Johnson gets the boundary receiver one on one. Oh, well. <laughs> right? Well, right. Like, Herbal also talked about not wanting to do this, but they're clearly practicing it, which is saying we're still outside uh, Rod Moore, nickel, and then third safety playing. Like, Barry. Yeah, which is, which is probably telling you more about what's going on with the safeties now that they trust those guys a little bit more than the second corners. But, like, I think that that's, yeah. that feels yeah. like a contingency plan. Yeah. Sure. I, there's a... It, it's a little, you know, irksome that they've had a few recruiting classes here to, like, put somebody be, uh, around Will Johnson, and their options are, like, Cody Jones. We haven't heard anything from him, really. I know he's a nickel, but um, – and Miles Pollard, who we haven't really yeah. seen anything from yet. Like, I wanted to get more out of those classes because Sean Harris is the only other – guy whose name he was a walk-on but he was a he's a guy whose name we've mentioned i think in several of these podcasts he looks solid craig is literally games. obsessed with him <laughs> yeah, craig brings him up every, every time, time we talk about football I, if you're gonna goes to him that if, is if you're gonna guy. have a guy though who's gonna be playing cornerback as a walk-on I, I want it to be a track athlete that we've been talking about for three years yeah, that's fine yeah and yeah. harbaugh mentioned him in the top group yeah and i think 
just the sheer number of guys they have competing at this spot, whoever comes out of this mess is going to be decent. Yeah. And all they have to be is decent because they can have safety help literally every play of the game. Yeah. So how bad can it be? I I mentioned this in the in the in the write up in Halo: The Victors that the there's a couple different things you can do with like a Will Johnson style cornerback, right? You can lock him to one guy and just have everybody else, you know, take less room basically, or you can kind of play it straight up and just know the ball is always going to the other side. I mean, I expect what they're going to do with him is they're going to make him the man coverage on the boundary receiver. Yeah. It probably also depends on the opponent. Like, if, if there's a, a guy for him to actually take away, yeah. then that makes sense. If they don't have, like, a super wide receiver, then maybe you want to play, like, halves and stuff. I mean, the we're, let's be honest. It's one game that we're really terrified of our cornerbacks versus receivers, right? That there's one, there's one matchup, and we know that like Ryan Day has already got ten different ways to yeah. and and make sure that he gets the matchups he wants there. And so much of that game is going to not depend on the wide receivers and the corners. It's going to be does can Ohio State's O line stop Michigan's well, D line? That's the next and podcast. Do they have a quarterback? So. You're right in talking about this. Yes, it is that one game, but the subplot isn't even that point. Right. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk safeties and special teams. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is, but you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Okay. Mm-hmm. The program is hiding him from us. Okay. They did this. Mm. Remember, they did this with Hill and with Long. They were like, "These guys suck." No, they did. The, they did too. They <laughs> yes, were like, they did, yeah. "Yes, they did." They were sitting around like telling us all off season that these guys are going to be terrible. They were so worried about cornerback, and then they yeah. were they were great. And then, like, they gave Amorian Walker his number. They don't mention him when they mention the other cornerbacks. They're like mentioning a walk on ahead of him right now. Okay. Okay. And but like and. This guy was awesome in the spring game. We all saw that. We saw the moments, and then they took him off the field. He's like um, best buddies with Samer still, and that's like a a dude. Um, and like I just get a vibe from this guy. Plus, 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 he was like next on the depth chart before he got hurt. Okay. So I think they they like you know they had to get Josh Wallace. Is he in. actually healthy? I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in the spring to some degree. He, yeah, he was uh, healthy, healthy now. He was in the scrimmage yesterday. Yeah, he, he hasn't been. He hasn't been anywhere near East Lansing that I know of. So, <laughs> <laughs> but man, like they had to get they had to get a transfer in. If you said like McBurrows is awesome, then then like, uh oh, I got to compete, right? Yeah. But if you're like, hey, we're gonna convert this wide receiver, true sophomore. All right, all right, I get. It. <laughs> Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Dave, give me your hottest take. Is it the same one? The cornerback freakout is extremely overblown. <laughs> it's not really a, okay. Not really a freakout. 
Well, there was because people are like, who's going to play opposite of Will Johnson well, before yeah. they got Wallace? Yeah. And then they get him, and then you have Saner still. And then I, you start looking at they're trying to turn Walker in, and they have McBurrows, like you just mentioned. That was a big piece. And they get Jair Hill, who is a guy that they really wanted, a big recruit. And so now you're looking at, like, there's a lot of guys there that could work out. And also, when you look at, like, the wide receivers around the league, other than, like, one team... <laughs> Kind of we'll get it team. Yeah. Well, okay, but they're always going to be that. Yeah, yeah well, like Marvin Harrison exists, and like you sure, know, and so does Will Johnson, right? So, so then you have to d- come up with something else for everyone else, which won't be easy, and they're going to score yards and probably points. Alex, but, give me your hottest take. Ernest Hausman will be Michigan's best linebacker this year. <laughs> He's not going to play. <laughs> I think he's going to mm. play. I think he's going to play pretty <laughs> well, significantly <clearly> you do. <laughs> in some of the, the practice reports and things. And uh, look, he had really some nice performances for Nebraska, and they've been hyping him up since he got here. Had a strong spring. Played well in the big house. Fall camp. Seth's been pounding the table for him, and I've been You've increasingly been convinced. Oh. And I think that they may use Barrett more in some of that old Viperish stuff that okay. they had him in in 2021, which mm-hmm. will give room for Houseman to do normal linebacking. Okay. And we're going to say that he's better than Colson at it. So. Ooh. And Jimmy Rolder hurt. Jimmy Rolder has been. Yeah, he's been a little banged up. up so that clears the path. I love that Jason's like, oh, here's a fact that the blogger guy whose life is following Michigan football didn't know <laughs> he yet. Wouldn't know it. <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. This is kind of going on what he just said, but this is the deepest linebacker room I can ever remember at Michigan. We'll see six linebackers play meaningful snaps this season. Okay, the two six. starters, Houseman. Barrett. Barrett Rolder. Colson, Hood. Hausman, Hood. Uh, Hood. Rolder, Hood, who everyone was talking about. I think you're going to see Jaden Hood. And I think Michael Pollard was making some moves last year. I think that kid is going to be seen, too. I think you're going to see six linebackers play, not just – they'll be playing meaningful snaps this year. And you will not burn anyone's red shirt or any of that stuff. But these, this is the healthiest I've ever seen the linebacking room Ever since I can remember. I mean, last year they had two dudes. <laughs> yeah. Right. How 1980s is this? <laughs> I mean, we just, every time Colson would get banged up last year, you're like, uh oh. But I actually think that helped Rolder get his experience. So I'm, I'm very excited about the linebackers because when in the nineties, when we were at school there, we were, we had all the linebackers. We had great linebackers. Like that and was, they were all named we after did. medals or weapons, right? <laughs> <laughs> medals or things made out of metal. Yeah. That's or right. Sweat. There was a guy named sweat. Yeah, sweat. Yeah. Rob sweat. sweat. Yep. Jason, give me your hottest take. Meet your cornerback number two, Alex Orgy. <laughs> everywhere. I don't care. All right, no. uh, uh, all right well. Uh, I, I, I'm doing, let me do a pre That's my joke one. Here's my real one. Uh, Braden McGregor will have 10 sacks this Ooh, year. Yeah. Ooh. Sign me up for that. That would be. Yeah. Uh, would is, be he, is he playing over Derek Moore or opposite Derek Moore? Ooh. Over. Uh, over. I think over. I no, I didn't say over. I said I think opposite. I just think that I, I, I don't I don't know exactly why, but I think right now, last year I looked back at a lot of his plays and he was close. He got close on a lot of plays. And those breakup plays 
where he broke up passes in the Ohio State game meant that he was in the right place at the right time. Like he, I don't know, he feels like someone who understands the game really well. And I think it reminds me a little of the Aiden Hutchinson thing where he was like a step away the year before he really put the numbers up. I just feel like it could be a year where, I mean, 10 is a lot of sacks. Uh, last year, what did what did Morris have? Seven, seven and a seven half? 7.5, seven and a half. Have you seen their non-con? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you confront so some sacks. Yeah, one well, of the right. reasons they had so many. Yeah, I think 14 of their sacks last year were against like two teams, <laughs> Indiana and Hawaii. Or no, CSU. Yeah, but it, so if he, if he comes out of the first four games with like four or five sacks, that's not impossible to get to 10. No, it's uh-huh. not. All right, here's mine. Will Johnson scores more touchdowns than Northwestern. <laughs> now, <laughs> Northwestern has so AJ Henning. Yes, I know. <laughs> They're gonna get some special teams. And who? And who else? <laughs> Northwestern has AJ Henning. <laughs> yeah. uh, All right, these guys are going to be in town. Give us details. Yeah, the UNLV game. That is the uh, the, the ninth. Ninth. The ninth. September ninth. We're going to be here at venue for a tailgate. You can join us for the tailgate. Go and you know the, you charge yourself and go to the game. But after the game, you can go to the comedy showcase and see the Sklars. So they'll be hanging out with us here. That's just a hangout, not a show at the tailgate. But afterwards, you can go see them at the at the comedy showcase for one either- ticket. What? One ticket will get you all of it, right, Seth? One ticket gets you all of it. You can go to the early show or the late show that night. All right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, at safety, Michigan gets two starters back. Rod Moore, who started against Ohio State as a true freshman, and that went just fine. He enters his junior years, possibly one of the top available safeties in the NFL draft. He has been a consistent performer against all comers. He's uh, has incredibly good eyes in the backfield, which allows him to get interceptions. He's an excellent tackler. He's an all-around safety. He's a three-star out of Ohio. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I love, whenever I bring him up, I love bringing up the guys that Ohio State recruited instead. Lathan Ransom. <laughs> there is, well, his his class, there were three guys who were like ranked in the top 75 or higher that they went after for safety specifically. And none of them are on the team anymore. Yeah. So when I went to see Moore in high school down in Dayton, his team had a like Hail Mary at the end of the first half and they were on like the 50. And so they brought him in, put him in the slot. And he ran down, just out jumped everyone, caught the ball. And I was like, this guy doesn't even play offense. <laughs> It's just just an incredible find from Michigan. Like this is, again, we keep talking about this. Like, is Rod Moore the best safety of the last X years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dax Hill. Dax yeah. Hill's a nickel. Yeah, he Dax was. Hill, well, well, he's not a safety. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I had like, are these the two best starting safeties since like Demonte and Delano Hill? Yeah, and that, those those guys were good with the at the end. I mean, yeah. they, they, they had some had a long time coming, but once he got good. But that 16. Yeah, they, that, was, that pairing yeah. was very good. And then if Macari Page, big, rangy, free safety type, mm-hmm. surprising and reliable tackler. Um, Except for like one per game. Like he had like um, a, yeah. <laughs> and, and a guy who isn't on the screen much because he doesn't make the mistakes that make a safety show up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of long plays allowed by Michigan – like, even in the Ohio State game, they blitzed the safety. Yeah. On the Marvin Harrison touchdown. And it was like, there was nobody over the top of that because that was the play call. Right. And like, how I mean, many. Jermaine t- Green gave him like a 12 yard cushion. I know. <laughs> but like, how many times did Michigan get hit deep last year? Not very many. Well, 
that was part wow. of the way that Michigan plays defense too, is that they they were a very cover three oriented, you know, and you don't want to test them that even the quarterbacks they face couldn't even get the ball there. Well, that's well, true. Yeah, other than like Max Duggan. Yeah, well, like Michigan State tried it a few times, then Michigan they got him a couple put a, times, put a safety over, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, put a safety over it. Right. <laughs> Just sprinkle a little safety on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and R.J. Moten transfers in the offseason because he's probably not going to start. But that was a loss, I thought. Like, he wasn't perfect. But in terms of, like, going into the safety with that guy as your third safety, that would be a luxury. He had a, yeah. He, yeah, he had such a weird trajectory. Didn't they yeah. move him to linebacker at some point? They did. Or? They were trying to move him to linebacker, which you looked – we just talked about the linebacker depth, right? Like, Well, yeah. at that point – the linebacker depth wasn't nearly as certain. No, they were doing it this year, too, when really? he left. He left in spring when they were trying to make him a linebacker, and he played a little safety, too. He just – he knob locked out. He just – yeah, like he just forgot how to play football. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, that, or Remember that Purdue drive? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there was like a Purdue drive that was entirely him. That's true. He also has a history of dropping pretty big interceptions, too. Yeah. And, and like there would always – there would be like just some – Bonehead plays and like I came out of nowhere. There was one against Rutgers that stood out. Like, but he's not on the yeah. team. Yeah, we can we can move. We on. can let go of them. <laughs> so backups here are slightly questionable. Quinton Johnson actually saw a fair amount of playing time in the back half of last season. Super fast guy who hasn't really put it together. You have Caden Colasar, the walk on, who's mm-hmm. a walk on. And then you have the opposite of Quentin Johnson, basically. Yeah. Then you have the two redshirt freshmen, Zeke Berry and Keon Sab, who I think. One of them is being tested as a nickel. Barry's more yeah. of a nickel. Yeah. But yeah. they've been battling for number three safety, you know, first off the bench. And it sounds like it's a pretty lively battle. Like, they're, you know, they're pushing each other. It's, so It sounds like it, but I, I think they're slow playing us on Barry a little bit. And, like, we Could heard be. nothing about Sab. He didn't really play well in either spring game that he's been in. Barry's the guy that kind of popped a little in the spring Barry's game. the one who, like, jumped up and had, like, a, a Woodson-esque interception yeah. on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. But, so unlike everywhere else on the team, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if one of the starters goes down here, it could be a problem. Yeah, I mean Rod Moore. Any any team loses a guy like that, it would be a Rod Moore's a star. Rod Moore's a potential All American. Yeah, and Page is not at that level, but he's very good, experienced college safety. Right. And I would have liked to kind of had Moten for a, a version of Moten that's not like suddenly reverting to being a true freshman. Yeah. Um, but. You know, for what we've got, Quentin Johnson, the program talks about him. He's he's got more negative charting moments than plays. I like it's how is that possible? <laughs> like good you plays, do, you, okay. Then good okay. plays, like big more more like negative twos than plus ones. Okay, which is it's how Alex Orgy is on pace to complete one hundred twenty percent of his passes. I right, see. right. I, he. Yeah, so I don't really trust Quentin Johnson. I, you know, you can get through most of the schedule with Colasar being your third safety. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's faster than people realize. And, you know, he's kind of a quarterback of the defense guy. Um, I think the coaches wanted him to go into coaching. He's Lunch like, no, pail. I'm going into medicine. <laughs> <laughs> so, And hopefully Barry pops. I think Barry's going to pop. Yeah, so just, it would have it, it been nice to have another guy here. But yeah. I mean, you're banking on... We're, we're not okay with just two good safeties. You're banking on projection for so second years for two like blue chip recruits. I know, <laughs> and it feels so bad relative to the rest. <laughs> <Yeah>. of the <laughs> <year>. <laughs> we're like, 
Where's our three-year starter like zero, who's coming yeah, off the problem. bench? <laughs> yeah, how come, how come we don't have a three-star? Where's the Raheem Anderson of the safety <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Where's my three-stars? We normally have three-stars. There's no three-stars in the safety core. It's like walk-on and five-stars. All right, special teams. The uh, PAX Specialistica has ended. Both Moody and uh, Robbins are moment out. of silence. <laughs> are out of uh, eligibility. Tommy Doman will be the punter. Sounds like... He was being groomed and will be relatively seamless with with Robbins, especially because so, Robbins really fell off hard at the end of last season. So you I have had a, a question here. Yeah. Why didn't they use Doman when Robbins just like couldn't punt the ball more than 35 Robbins, yards? Because Robbins was a six-year senior who'd come back. I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know if it really seemed like it was a problem for it's like oh that's an anomalously bad punt it was a problem oh that i, I know it was a problem <laughs> certain, certain people in this room were dismissing it but i was not no i mean like i i just feel like it's it's hard to to make that change especially at a position where it's like okay i got to catch the ball and then if i don't catch the ball something slightly bad could happen <laughs> so sure i mean the the upside for doman is that they didn't go into the portal yeah and he's a highly rated six star. Six star. <laughs> what is that? That's, that's not. I, a thing. I love how like it is a thing. I, I know, I but I'm I'm refuting it. <laughs> like twenty four seven is like this is the best kicker in America, one hundred million ranking two stars, and then like all the kicker people is like this guy gets seven stars. <laughs> he's going to UTEP. <laughs> The kick, I mean, I tried to learn how kicking camp camps and stuff work and how kicker yeah. rankings work. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get a, a, a handle on this. And it mostly just seems like, you know, different kicking camps have their guys. Do you remember uh, Cam Cheeseman's ESPN scouting? Yeah. Like, he's got long, long levers. Yeah. <laughs> Still, the only thing I know about long snapping is that the levers. Levers got to be long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at kicker, Michigan brought in a transfer from Louisville. James Turner. James Turner, who has been an effective college kicker for two out of the last three years. He's 32 for 33 for his career inside 40. That's good. What's his yeah. long? He has one over 50. He's one for six over 50. So that's okay. the so question So do we see – well, what's – well, give me the 40 to 49. That's a pretty important – 14 for 20. But he was he was much – he was really good in two of the three years. And then the that, one year uh, is what spiked The that. one year, I, I have like a way of like, – I just – I calculate it like the – you know, based on where you kick it from. Like the kicker can give you so many points, I right? I mean, that's what uh, – Brian Fremo does. Yeah, yeah, I try to copy what Fremo did to get these numbers. And uh, his, like, worst, his bad year was, like, equal to Jason Gingell. It, it was okay, like... Okay, that doesn't make me feel happy. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not a... That was, I mean... But every kicker gets a bad year. Moody had a bad year. Ish. It well, was a fake season, but it was a bad year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a fake season. It doesn't matter. Everybody had COVID. I was reading the piece about Moody, and he was talking about it. The bad season, the fake year. Yeah, what do you say? Was there was a there was an article on the Athletic about yeah. like his bumpy preseason, and he was like, "Oh, I've done this before. I was really bad in 2020, and then I got better." Oh, that's good. And then I didn't make it. I mean, <laughs> thanks here's for telling th- us what we already know. <laughs> here's the thing: I do not want Michigan to be down with a couple seconds left to like an Illinois in the cold and the sleet and the wind at, again. Like last Why year, that happens about that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, last year we get into that situation against a team, and then it's like, okay, we're going to bring in Jake Moody. This is fine. So, I mean, it sounds like we're going to be losing a significant amount of Moody's range. You have to be more aggressive, you know, in the, in, spots in the 30 to 35 so, range. So, my question the then is, like, if you have a 55-yard field goal, say, and it's not must make, you know, whatever, but it's end of half or something. Tony Doman, probably. Is it Doman or Samaha or somebody like that? I don't know. Samaha is, like, more is, – is, Samaha's leg strength is not, like, the number one thing they talk about with him. They say he's got good good strength, but, like, he's consistent. And the one thing that they – Samaha is, like, a son of a coach and, like, been around the Michigan program forever and, like, could give the tour as well as I could. He was the son of a basketball coach, though, right? Well, assistant football coach and basketball coach. Okay. Yeah. Um I mean, he was, he was a Huron. He was yeah, right, yeah, right there. The uh, but like he um, he's in Michigan that you've got a quick kick in all sorts of different conditions, right? And most things they know about kickers out of high school, they're like they went to a kicking camp or it was indoors, and like you know they made now, six in a row off a tee. Didn't Quinn Nordine go like two of three as a senior? Yeah, high yeah, school? yeah, yeah. And high school coaches do not like to use their kickers. Yeah. They they don't have they don't have anyone to hold it. Right? You don't have anyone who like can make sure the laces are out in the in the right conditions. The fields we used are terrible. To be a proper country. <laughs> yeah, we used to kick field goals in high school. So yeah, so it, it, it's probably not him for a long field goal, but it might be Doman if they need. Because I mean, he kicked a few in the in the spring game. And not he, all of them went in, but he had a leg. He has a leg. He is the he is your wild thing. Is, your, if you want to if yeah. you want to make him a kicker, and he was ranked as a kicker, just like not as highly as a punter, but still like. Top 10 kicker in the country. All right. Uh, return units. Uh, we've heard all the talk about Alex Orgy as the kick returner. I'll hear it all over again. I, 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 just, don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Do you want so, me to read you the names Harbaugh read off? Sure. You, should, you should have Brian guess them. <laughs> Punt, a- Eamon Dennis. Punt returner. St. Ristol Mullings Edwards Thaw is the top group. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Jake Thaw. Jake I Thaw. know Jake Thaw. <laughs> Mullings? Yes. <laughs> you didn't hear this? You didn't hear this the other no, night? No, that's why when we were talking about Mullings in the running back section, you were like, oh, I don't know where he's going to get touches. And I said punt returner. And I thought you going, were joking. No. no. <laughs> Harbaugh is serious about yeah. this 260-pound punt returner. So, so the top group, again, Sane Ristel, Mullings, Edwards, Thaw. Sane Ristel, Donovan Edwards? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that seems easy choice to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other three mentioned were Harris, English, and Morris. Okay. English, that was part of his. I mean, he's a Jeremy Gallon kind of recruit. And yeah. He had. He is kind of a returner. Okay. Those are, those, are those, the, are, those are the seven names. The pot returner. Yeah. Which of those do you like? Donovan <laughs> Edwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kick returner. Mullings, Wilson, Dennis, Orgy. Well... For the memes, it's got to be Orgy, <laughs> but if I'm just picking some random guy, it's Eamon Dennis. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wilson I mean, did kick returning last yeah, year, so I assume I know, he'll be but, back there. But that's a spot where maybe Cole Cabana shows up, right? Maybe. I mean, so for me, kick return is almost irrelevant, and I just don't want anyone hurt at this point. Well, that's fair. Sure. That's why so I you're on team, Mullings. So you're on Mullings. team Fair Catch. I would go no, with Mullings. I'm, I'm on team Eamon Dennis. Because everybody he, says, has he ever returned a kick at Michigan yet? It doesn't matter. It's a kickoff. Okay. I mean, like, what's the worst that happens? You muff it and you, you're at the 10? Who cares? Well, um, <laughs> I, well I care about that. Is Dennis going to dance in the end zone? Because that, that I, could be a different I have no breaker. idea. But what I do know is 
every time he comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, he's the fastest guy on the team. And I'm like, that's not true. But if it's even close to true, <laughs> let's just have him return kicks because he's not going to do anything else here. Right? So that's He a, covers kicks. Yeah, that's fine. He can cover kicks and punts and whatever. But, like, I like getting guys touches who normally don't get touches. And I like not putting Roman Wilson out there at a position where, like – I want a guy matter. who's going to run up and catch the ball. Yeah. Because we – and that was another thing in, in the rewatches that we had is Henning took one to the house and he had a few nice punt returns. But he also didn't catch as many balls as you probably would have liked. That's much more important as a punt returner. Like, as a kick returner. Oh, yeah. Well, we're like, kind of well, talking about both. On that note, the insider scoop last night was that Jake Thaw's whole thing is that he's the best at knowing like when to catch it and not letting it roll and all that stuff. As cool. A punt returner? Punt returner, yeah. I don't care. Donovan Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I appreciate that Jake Thaw probably spent like a lot of time yeah. <laughs> going, I, this is where I can play I on am this going team. To figure this, I, I know I create one skill. And then, like, yeah. halfway through fall camp, Harbaugh's like, Edwards, go try out punt returns. And Jake Thaw's like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations, Jake Thaw. Uh, you made it on our podcast. Yeah, I mean, Caden Colasar deserves mention, and Mike Barrett, too. Like, guys who do things on special teams that are not... Yeah. 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 yeah like I need, I need Mike Barrett to throw a forward pass to convert a fake punt today. This year, not today. He also uh, had the the running. They snapped it to him, and he ran into like a fourth and a half yeah, yard against yeah, Washington. Yeah, a few right? times. Yeah. Can you do a flea flicker fake punt? Is that Ooh! possible? <laughs> <laughs> Brian is so happy. I'm listening. I don't. I don't think. Can you? So you hike it to the punter. The yeah. punter runs up and then and then like pitches it back to the up back who's dropped back and then can, he throws to one of the gunners. You, no, yeah, you, you, you uh, he'd have to have quite an arm. You to snap tackle. it to the up back and then he moves forward and then he pitches it back to the punter about fifteen yeah. yards. I don't. This is a bad idea. <laughs> 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 All right, never mind. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do the fake flea flicker fake punt. <laughs> who's the long snapper? Name him. Uh, no. <laughs> Seth? It's Taylor, right? Is that? I don't even know. No, they. you know what? Last year they picked up like a six-year transfer uh, and like hurt. didn't play. And I, I don't know who they have this year. All right. Well, that is a definite sign that this segment is over. <laughs> this is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our complicated loan. Brian used them. You should use them, too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E lending.com slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? 9. Can I get a Go Blue! Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. 
Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's Defense and special teams takes. So this is a little shakier than the offense. Like we don't know exactly what we're going to get out of the edges. Mm-hmm. Junior Colson is a big, big wild card. The second cornerback is a little bit up in the air. We have one position that's not going to be all Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like, an offense is like, how could this be a disaster? And this won't be a disaster, but there are definitely three or four different ways the defense could. I don't know not live up to what the offense is likely to do. Yeah. Uh, they need to get some pass rushing out of, like, pass rushers. And, like, that can come from Jenkins. That can come from Minter. Like, Minter pulled out all the stops last year, and they still really only got pressure against terrible offensive lines. Of which there were many. Right. I, and this year there are even more. But right. They, but that's not – we're talking about the games that matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, last year they gave Penn State a lot of time to kind of sit in the pocket. and Well, that's because they had Clifford. They had Clifford, right. So with Drew Aller, I think. The... Well, yeah, yeah, they just, well, they sent Mike Barrett after Drew Aller, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, this defense should still be a top 10 unit. Like, I yeah. don't think there's a question about that. I think you can make a case it should be better than last year's. Because I think, even though you lose Mozzie Smith, I think you're better at defensive tackle. I think you're clearly going to be better at defensive end. A lot rides on Colson, but you'd expect him to be better than he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
you get the safeties back. Will Johnson is now like fully instantiated. And really the only question is like how much of a downgrade is corner two going to be from DJ Turner and Jamon Green? A big part of the question for me is uh, how much can Minter play his coverage games if he has cornerbacks that like he's breaking in, right? Like when we were talking, it was a little more concerned when like Amorian Walker as second cornerback was like a thing that we believed was going to happen. Because if it's him or Jair Hill, like those are guys who are not going to pick up all the weird things that they do with their coverages. Well, I mean, there's not, switch coverages out there. There's like right cover away. threes where the cornerback plays this middle safety. Like, but, but these guys have time, right, to put right. it together. And you're just asking one guy to figure yeah. it out. I mean, I mean, I can see Josh Wallace figuring it out like pretty yeah. quickly because he's played in those kinds of defenses before. Well, and Mc- also, if McBrow's also been around. Yeah. Also, yeah. but like if you get Mason Graham, who's like a Ryan Glasgow, Mike Martin level interior rusher, mm-hmm. if you get Derek Moore having a leap forward, if you get Josiah Stewart being a, more of an impact player than Oki was a year ago, which I think he will be, because Oki wasn't grading out well as an FCS player. Yeah. Then you get more towards the Ojabo Hutchinson team. Which didn't need to screw around. Right. Or when they screwed around, they only had to screw around for one read, not for three. Right. And, and like, you are occasionally sending five, but you don't have to most of the time. Yeah. And I think while we're not going to be at the Ojabo Hutchinson level, I think we're going to be closer to that than we were to last year's approach. Yeah. You know, it's very – defense has to be reactive to the the other team a lot more. And it's hard to kind of look at the schedule and be like – What's the right team? Because like the, you could man up on these most of these moops, and you know you got to worry about Penn State if Drew Allar takes a big leap, Maryland. and then you got to worry, and then it's Ohio State. Yeah, and Maryland has Tua, uh, or not Tua, Tulia, Tulia, Talia. Yeah, right. So that, those that's those are the offenses that you have to stop. So Talia, he's a very specific case. Like that's you, you address him the way you address him, and then Penn State. You're going to have to play them straight up, and you have to play Ohio. And you have to figure out a plan for Ohio State. So the big question is, do they have like a Jair Hill able to do enough of the funny stuff that you can do funny stuff against Ohio State? I mean, it's possible that they have different packages, and guys are just they have some subset of it down, and like it's Wallace for part of it, it's Hill for part of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how it's going to hash out, but it's not like you know, it's not like they're going to roll in and play Notre Dame week one. Right, right. But I'm saying that they were able to do a lot of what they did against Ohio State worked because Jamon Green and uh, he had been in the system. He was a fifth-year yeah. senior, right? Like, and Turner and and, knew what they were doing. Yeah, and Turner had been there forever, too. Like Their cornerbacks were very well-versed. And I have no problem with Will Johnson doing that because he's a film junkie. He's okay, second year but, in the program. But, like, but the first year that Michigan was doing this Ravens defense thing, mm-hmm. I mean, they held Ohio State to 23 points because of the front four. Yeah. And I think I think they can get close to that. Yeah. So you don't really need as much in terms of, like, funky stuff when the walls are caving in on Josh Simmons. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and whoever's starting a quarterback for Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. So I think that hopefully it's not going to be that big of a deal. All right, lightning round. Well, can I get to the name quick? Sure. Big picture, this is I wrote this down. You want to guess the worst SP plus defense finish in the Jim Harbaugh era? Eighteen. Eleventh. Wow. The twenty seventeen? Twenty nineteen. Huh. Seventeen they were. Seventeen was a really, really good. good defense. Yeah, seventeen was a great defense. Nineteen but... is the is the 
John Donovan Jeter, Jess Spade. Ben oh, Mason. yeah, yeah. They they did did not no defensive tackles. And SP plus with yeah, that. Well, they still Carlo had good, Kemp. They still had good corners. They still had, you know. Kemp. Carlo Kemp was not a bad player. He was just not, he was not a not, nose tackle. He was no. not a good player. <laughs> <laughs> he was a player. <laughs> uh, all right, lightning round. Biggest concern on the defense. Are we any caveats? No. Okay, then I'll and, just take cornerback two. Okay, you have to be more interesting than that. <laughs> That's the caveat. <laughs> That's the caveat. <laughs> um, I'll probably still go with, like, they don't have a, a true dude at pass rusher uh, at the edge position. Okay. Dave? Uh, safety injury. Safety injury. Yeah, I was kind of leaning that direction. Like, they can't take a hit to some of these guys. And they have a lot of young players in the secondary, mm-hmm. and they want to run complicated sets. Mine is Junior Colson doesn't step forward. Like, Junior Colson treading water would be pretty bad. Yeah. Do you, I mean, what if they had Junior Colson from the last year? I mean, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the history of the world, but in terms of, like, the biggest gap between expectations and performance, I think is potentially Junior Colson. So what makes me less concerned about that is that I don't think Junior Colson has to play as many snaps as he did last year. Well, I mean, ideally, he does play as many snaps. So wasn't he good. hurt? Ideally, yes. But, like, now your floor is if, – if Junior Colson's making mistakes, you can pull him off the field, have him talk to Partridge for a minute while you insert Houseman or Barrett right. or Rolder, right? Like you They have, are deeper there. You have options. Last year, Colson makes a mistake. You're like, what am I going to do, put in Mullings? <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> Breakout player, Alex. Uh, well, it was kind of my hot take, so I'd have to take Houseman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cornered the market on him. Yeah, uh, Dave McGregor. Oh, that's that's a that's a bold one. You and Jason. Yeah. Once again, they got around to me, and they didn't say Derek Moore. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I was flipping a coin between those two. It's like, I mean, is it stupid to say Mason Graham? I mean, he didn't even start last year. No, he's he, the Colson Loveland. I because I mean, yeah. Yeah. Colson Loveland had a quarter of a season. Right. Mason Graham. Like we're like, vetoing that. Yeah. All right. A race on Betty. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what was the th- what was the third question in the offense? One? SP plus finish. Well, no. no, there was a, that was a there was four, and SP plus was the last one. Uh oh. Who's your dude? Oh yeah. All right. Who's your dude? Irrationally optimistic or just favorite player? You can say Mike Zayner still and nobody will judge you. <laughs> um, it might be Chris Jenkins at this point. I, I, I think Chris Jenkins is a great answer because you mm-hmm. just listen to that guy talk and you're like, oh, man, he's amazing. He would be he would be a wonderful uh, wrestler if football doesn't work out. I remember listening to the guy talk for hours. I remember last year. Going into the podcast, I was like, I don't feel great about DT. And then I went back and I read the Georgia UFR, and I was like, Oh, the you know Jenkins better than I remember. And then the whole season, I was like, Okay, yeah, now, now he's coming back, so go with him. Seth, it was going to be Rod Moore until he changed his number to nine, so I can't tell the difference between him and Samer still out there when I'm charting. It's still Rod Moore. Sons of sons of us. It's still Rod Moore. Like I can't. He. I remember his first play against Washington. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I think we found something. I remember wa- reading his pro- his profile and like reading David's uh, like you know uh, visit down to Ohio. And I was like, yeah, I, I think we found something here. And I love being right. Yeah, me too. Dave. All right, I'm going with Barrett. Yeah, that's a sure. good one. Yeah. All right, I got. I'm going to shout out both Sainer Still and Barrett, but my guy is Junior Colson. Because we were talking to Alejandro Zuniga, and he told me that 
he was talking to Colson sort of as a sidebar. Oh, yes. And he asked, look, what do you like to do outside of football? And he said, sleep. (laughs) And then (laughs) Alejandro asked him if he had mattress recommendations, and he said, tons. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just picture it? and I Coulson, was like, in his free time, he's going to like mattress showrooms and like yeah, testing yeah. the different ones and then posting he, on a blog he being goes like, to, like the trade shows. Get to see That's right. He's like, I'm going to Mattress Fest to, you know, 23 in Las Vegas. And this I year. was like, Alejandro, don't you know a story when you see it? <laughs> like, I, I need this to be on 24 7 so I can quote it and put it in the season preview, which I'm going to do anyway. Yeah, Despite yourself. the fact he didn't write the story, I'm just going to say you're going to have to take my word for this. <laughs> but it's true. So, yeah, Junior Colson. All right, SP Plus final, final finish. Sixth. Dave. Nine. First! <laughs> <laughs> right, I got three. Sure. I, I think that they're going to figure out their problems. I, I kind of agree with David that we're overblowing second corner because it's the one spot to worry about. Yeah, and for SP+, you're not going to face a competent passing attack. Well, that's true. And, and there you go. I think <laughs> the offenses we face this year are terrible, and then we'll look awesome against Ohio State, and that will just, like, we'll, we'll game the system. There's also no uh, way you can turn off the, like, zone read game on defense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, all right. Thanks for listening. Hit us up for the uh, conference overview up next. Listen to the MGO podcast. I'm Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook, Alex Strain, and David Nasternak. The only question we have left is which way will Junior Colson go? Better than us! No!